G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of Project Sports. My name is Corey and I'm joined by Zach Rubb. How are you today, bro? Good, mate. How are you? Oh, I'm okay. I've had a mixed bag of a week, to be honest. Uh, You've had a rough weekend. You've lost a lot this week. I've lost a lot, yes. There's been a few things happen that uh, just hasn't quite gone my way, but you know, that's life sometimes and you know me, it never gets me down. <laughs> I never get cranky about much, so... Oh, I don't know about that, but anyway... <laughs> Well, you know, you, you'll tell your version and I'll tell the truth, so uh, that's how it'll work. But um, we've got an action-packed show today. We're going to kick off with uh, our multis and our tipping and also our golf review, so that'll be pretty short. Yep. And then Zach's going to crack into the NRL news. I'll take you through some of the AFL news, um, the halftime rubdown, and then we'll finish with our F this week. Lovely. Right to A to Z Sports, so be interested to see what you think I've got for you this week, so... Why don't you do the honours, talk about golf, go for your life. Let's do it. So on Friday afternoon, I was facing my sixth loss in a row. And I actually felt really confident leaving leaving work at two o'clock, to be honest. I'll just, I'll just jump in here. I know why you were so confident, because you had planned your whole week <laughs> to essentially mess up my week so that I would be distracted, no. which I'll tell that story in a second, no. and uh, the listeners can say what they would like about you, I guess, but uh, anyway. But anyway, so, so what happened was, on the first hole, Corey took 15 shots, and he wasn't even on the green, <laughs> and he picked up his ball, and he cracked the shits, and he stopped. He said, I can win, <laughs> which kind of annoyed me, because I didn't really want to win like that, but I, I went on to, to still play pretty good, and, and he... he didn't really get much better than that, so I was, yeah, I'm, I'm happy and I've taken the win. I'm finally have got one on the board, five and one, broken through from my maiden. Yeah, good work. No, I said from the start, I, I forfeited the first hole, and my recollection of a forfeit would be the other person wins, so I said, good work, Zach, you've, you've won your first round of golf, congratulations, went to shake his hand, even though we're not supposed to do that at the moment, but he didn't want to take it. He was like, oh, I'm having a whinge about it. Uh, but anyway, giving him a win, I just like to tell him. I just, I just like to say, I've got it. This is what I said to to him all Friday afternoon, guys. Every hole, I've got flogged for five weeks in a row. I didn't throw in the towel once. He has one shocking hole, and he throws in the towel and tells me he's not counting his score anymore. Bit rich. I, I knew I was going to lose. Like when you <laughs> look at the end of the day, I knew I'd already lost. Um, I'm, I'm a competitive person, but. I know when to pick my battles, and I just wanted to go out there and then work on myself, and, and you had the win, but I think the listeners do deserve to know how you try to distract me as well, uh, so Zach and I, as you both know, as you all know, we work at the same uh, place, we work at the Fit Lab together, and uh, Zach had actually planned with other staff at the Fit Lab to call me before golf started to tell me that someone hadn't turned up for their shift. <laughs> I didn't yeah. plan it to that much detail. But I said someone should call co- him and G him up. You coordinated this attack on my mental game. And look, I'm a competitor, so I should have just fought through that, but I thought it was just low. I mean, to go to such lengths <laughs> to win an amateur <laughs> golf game. But you know, what's the, you know what the best part is? You already you already screwed up hole one, and they called you on hole two, and no. I felt horrible when they were calling you on hole two. Yes, they did call me on hole two, but I had already seen three or four missed calls, so it was already on my mind before it even started. And after the second hole, I picked up the phone and went, 
okay, I better respond to this call because obviously the gym's on fire. <laughs> Uh, and it wasn't, um, and nothing was wrong by the way, everything was organised and I'm actually good at my job, uh, but no, I just thought it was low, but again, that's a competition for you, I should have been more mental, mentally prepared, but anyway, I wasn't, so. I don't know why you'd have your phone on the golf course anyway, mate. I, I, had, I was in the same group chat that they were texting on, and I didn't, I didn't even know that they were doing it still, I'd forgotten about it because I was in the zone. Yeah, because you'd probably planned it two weeks in advance, that's why. Anyway, it's five and one now for the, the golf comp. and It is. Like, we're, we're going to keep uh, pursuing with it. I'm not giving up, obviously, because I'm still four ahead of you. But we're thinking about changing our gameplay a little bit from next week. So I think there'll be some interesting things happen over the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, but we'll continue our competition because we've committed to it. And uh, we want to see who comes out on top. So um, what about some tips, mate? Uh, there's a bit of controversy here as well. Uh, because I'd lo- love to hear some feedback from the listeners what they think about this. Old Zach has told me his tips this week, but he actually hasn't submitted them into our tipping app. So he at the moment on the tipping app is well down, but uh, from his verbal No, 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 tips, not verbal. Ver- oh, no, okay. it's on Instagram. There's proof that I've yeah, launched my proof. tips on Thursday afternoon. But you didn't actually... It'd be like saying you've you've entered into a competition but you forgot to hit submit and then you blow up about you not winning the competition. I mean, I've done that with plenty of uni assignments, mate. I know, but what I'm saying is you haven't actually followed the rules of the tipping competition and I don't know, I, I'm a bit dirty about it, but let's talk about how we're going. So You're only dirty about it because I caught you. Yeah, but controversially. <laughs> so, um, well, look... Going into the round, I was on 26 NRL tips and you're on 23. You've already caught me by two this week. I don't know why I tipped the Broncos. That was the worst decision I've made. Go to the Titans. I'll get a shout out later too. That's because I was trying to go off your prediction of them winning (laughs) the competition. But uh, anyway, and AFL were even and you've also caught me by two in in the AFL. So... um, you're uh, you're well you well you're not well up but you're you're back to even, and um, the only way I can get ahead of you again is by the doggies losing later to the tigers. Yeah. So I think I'm pretty safe there, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And multi time, mate. Multi as well. To be fair, my tips this week, you know, obviously going all right and catching you. I've actually gone all right with some multis already this weekend, but. Um, for the listeners out there, I do have a Sunday Arvo one. Now, apologies, there's actually, my first leg is actually um, on right now, and it was Brisbane Lions doing 25 plus. It's just after half time, and they're up 52 to 12. So that's looking pretty solid. But the rest of the multi, if you've got time, jump on. We've got uh, Geelong to beat Melbourne this afternoon in the AFL. We've also got Hawthorne 1 to 39 to beat North Melbourne. And Manly Sea Eagles in the NRL 1-12 to beat the Sharks. Now, that three-leg multi will get you $8.23. So that's what I'd be tipping this afternoon for my big multi. Mm, yeah, well, you're looking pretty good in this Lions game. I've also got uh, some money on the Lions right now. However, they're, they're going a little bit too good because I've put them for a uh, a small win between 1-39 to and they're already up by 41 points. Uh, everything else is going well for me. Um, I've got my goal kickers. I've got my disposal winners uh, uh, sorted. But uh, just they're, they're being too good. So hopefully Crows can just come back a little bit um, in this second half. So come on, well, the mate, Crows. 
what's um what's your multi this afternoon? What are you gonna where are you gonna lead the punters for some coin on a Sunday Arvo? Well, I'm I'm going with the Hawks this, this evening. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where my Sunday evening tip is going. Same game multi. This this is the same yep. game multi. Yep. I don't like to play in the. I don't like to spread my uh, mental. I guess thought on too many games. I like to just focus on one. Fair, fair. And uh, so I've gone the Hawks for a a win one to thirty nine. So I don't think they'll flog North Melbourne. I think it'll be a pretty good contest. Yeah. Um. But I've need I need four blokes to do the job for me. I got Cunnington to so Ben Cunnington from North, Jai Simpkin from North, Tom Mitchell and Jaeger O'Meara from Hawks to all get at least fifteen touches. And these boys usually average low twenties over the last four weeks and. And probably 30s when it's a full game. So I think I'm pretty safe there. And then I just need Chad Wingard to kick a goal. Uh, this will be $4.75 odds. So uh, I reckon that's a pretty safe one. Uh, just to round out my tipping this week. I've, I've gone all right in the multis. Uh, the only person who let me down yesterday was Nat Fife. Yeah, he, was, he was going very well. It was all sorted. Then he came off with a hamstring injury. So I hope he's okay, but he has... Made me lose some money, so uh, anyway. Oh, well. anyway. Maybe you can pay me back one day. But um, let's enough about our losing golf and tips and money. Yep. Let's talk about NRL news, mate. Let's crack into it. So, um, pretty well today. What we're going to do is we're going to go through the games that have been played so far in the NRL. I've got a few few teams that we'll probably look at a little bit deeper than some of the others, but essentially, yeah, we're going to kick in. To that, we're going to start off with Thursday night's game, and that was the Penrith Panthers. So, the Panthers came into this game, uh, well, not hot favourites, but against the Rabbits, the Rabbits had towed up the Titans and the Warriors in the two weeks leading up to this, and there's probably a bit of talk about how well the Rabbits could go, and it was certainly going to be a test for the Panthers, and they just come up trumps. They really, really controlled the game the whole game throughout, um, which was fantastic. And Nathan Cleary, who had suffered... He was actually in hospital. Was, there was like a, a boil on his forehead. I don't know if you saw it in the, that what in the it game. Yeah. Um, there, was a, there was some tape over his forehead. And yeah, he's actually hospitalised from it um, in, the, in the leading days, in the um, days leading up to the match. And I thought he played excellent. He's just playing yeah, above and beyond his years. The way that he is controlling that team and getting them around the park is just fantastic. I mean, every single set, he's pretty much got his hands on the footy, you know, two to three times at least. Uh, he's creating tries. He's scoring tries himself. He actually he scored another try on um, on Thursday night, and his tally for try assist is now up to like something like four or five for the year. So just the way that he's doing that and then controlling the, the team is fantastic. And then you've also got the likes of... James Fisher-Harris, who was an absolute monster on the weekend. He ran for about 240-odd metres, um, and he made 36 tackles. Guess how many tackles he missed, Corey? He made 36. Guess how many he missed? One. He missed zero. Zero tackles. He made every tackle, and guess how many errors he made? Zero. He made zero. So he's just leading from the front. Big boy, making tackles, making metres, and yeah, Really getting the Panthers on the on the front foot, which is allowing Cleary to be able to do his stuff. We always talk about um, how halfbacks need their forwards to um, to do their job, and at the moment Cleary's got a forward pack that's doing a fantastic job, which is allowing him some time along with Luai, 
in the halves at the moment, and those outside backs are looking electric. So Panthers looking good in that top eight. Yeah, I thought I thought they were very good as well. I, I will admit I did tip South Sydney. It's probably more just uh, I haven't followed the NRL too closely. Like this is probably the most news I get for NRL. So I'd sort of seen the, the South Sydney have a couple of pretty solid wins over Warriors and, and Titans, so that's why I tipped them. But I want to get your thoughts on the James Roberts sin bin because I blew up about this last week. Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts? How how did you see that play out? Well, again, it was just what was that? That was too many penalties. No, no, the James Robert Sidman was uh, a professional foul. Oh, okay. Well, I thought they got him for... I thought there were too many penalty, uh, penalties in a row. No, no. Um, there might have been another one, but the James Roberts one, so I'll give you my recollection. Yeah, go on. They were, um, they were running a play down to the left side, I believe it was. I think Roberts played on the right. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, anyway, so how it had gone through is, I think Crichton from the Panthers was the decoy runner. Yeah. And uh, Roberts has... has laid a hand on him, like he's, he's touched him, but it was hard, barely hard enough to knock a fly over, and uh, he's fallen to the ground, uh, and they've, they've called a professional foul. Um, but I just think, if Crichton had the ball, he's about twice the size as James Roberts. If he had had the ball on his hands, he goes through and scores a try anyway. Mm. I, I just, I thought... Was that where there was a kick? There was a kick through? Kick through, yeah. 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 Again, I, that's just coming down to... Uh, yeah, a possible try scoring situation, and he's impeded a player. So I understand that, but again, professional foul, mate. But how soft are we getting here? Like this is a contact sport. I have seen bigger hits in netball go unpenalised, and now we've got a bloke who's maybe eighty kilos, just touching a bloke who's a hundred kilos, probably him falling to the ground and getting sent off for it. I think it's ridiculous. Well, yeah, but at the end of the day, like if if he. If he doesn't touch him, then Crichton probably scores. So, but he, how does he move? Does he become invisible? Have they got some new cloaking <laughs> technology that he can remove himself from the field or something like? Well, he's he's still a human. Like, would, would, this would not have happened ten years ago. I agree. Well, I agree because I actually had a blow up about one with Cameron Smith last week against the Panthers, where there was a grubber kick. Uh, yeah, kick going through. Cameron Smith's turn to run to the footy and he. Yeah, someone ran into him and fell over, and that was a penalty, which then ultimately led to the Panthers jumping up by two points. So again, I understand what you're saying, mate. But like, I'll definitely, I don't want my tip back or anything. Like, yeah, the Penrith Penrith deserved to to win that game, hundred percent. But I just think this is just getting. I reckon it's getting ridiculous because they're just going to keep doing it, and I think sooner or later they may as well just stop calling it rugby league, call it touch footy. And just bloody play touch football. And then we don't have to worry about talking about it. Well, I hope not. Well, I hope not too, but I'm saying it will happen because <laughs> NRL is so soft. I just I can't believe it. You're but kidding. I'm watching AFL right now and there's, there's bloody bigger hits going on in back play with I, the ball not even in I the watched, hand. I watched an uh, AFL game the other day and a bloke got hit on the shoulder and they called that high. Yeah, he probably ducked, which is a, should be a professional foul as well, and he should get kidding, sent off for that. Kidding. But anyway, yeah, you keep talking about your sport and what's going on. Yeah, we will. Anyway, we'll move on, and we'll go on to the first game on Friday night, which was the Melbourne Storm. Now, not a whole lot to say here. The Storm, you know, they did what they probably should have done to just really probably a disheartened Warriors side right now, um, and they put 50 points on them. That's that's all there really was to it. They, yeah, so, they sort of ran wild. Um, I mean, Cameron Munster went off at half time with a lower leg uh, injury. 
looked like a knee injury. I think it was going to be a couple of weeks. Maybe four to six weeks, I yeah. think I read. Yeah. Not ACL, so that's positive. But um, again, you know, your 5 8 goes off at half time, and you probably think this will get tight. But nah, Storm just, just went away with it, unfortunately, for the Warriors. But mm. one thing that I will take out of that game at the end and was um, so Cameron Smith, Craig Bellamy, the coach, and Ryan Hoffman, one of the assistant coach for the Storm, actually went into the Warriors' sheds. Now, some people might think this is a bit of a kick in the guts that uh, opposition players and coach come into your room to give you a, a bit of a talk, but um, they basically just went in there and um, yeah, sort of told them to ha- uh, hang in there and, and to keep it up because they're you know, obviously doing a great thing for the competition when it's quite tough and there's a lot of ex-Melbourne players that play for this, um, play for the Warriors now. But I think that's, you know, I, you would never have heard that of, of an opposition player or, you know, coach going into an opposition dressing room after a game. Well, it's probably... To sort of just commend them on just hanging around and just, just still turning up. Like, they've got belted and they've lost their coach now and nothing's really going right. Um, and yeah. I said, it probably has happened before, but it just hasn't been televised like that and... Um, you know, and the media haven't made a bloody uh, field day out of it. I saw I saw a few comments on Facebook and people just scallywags, aren't they? They're just trying to... No, yeah, I think know. it's a good gesture, you know. Like, I think no so. Need to, like, if, if Tiger Woods took me out for a round of golf and flogged me, I'd love him to come <laughs> and, and have, have a beer with me after, like... Um, and that we actually have that every Friday, Alex Gion. Yeah, yeah. The, the Korean superstar takes us out and flogs us, but um, we don't tell him to rack off and, and go home. Um, but no, I think I think it was a good gesture, and I think people need to actually realise that, you know, even though they're sort of battling against each other, these teams, it's it sort of becomes like a, a work environment at the end of the day, and these guys they all work together because they they play rugby league or AFL or whatever the sport is, and um, I think that's important that they actually have that sort of bond, even though they're not on the same team. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. Um, moving on though, we're going on to the Roosters who got a 14-point victory over the Dragons on Friday night as well. Now, in the first half, the Roosters were probably... They were in all sorts. The Dragons were really come at them, and the Roosters suffered two ACL injuries, one to Victor Radley and one to Sam Beryl, uh, Yeah, Sam Beryl's in the first sort of 20-odd minutes. Um, so to come out in the second half and reshuffle your whole lineup. And then come away with a fourteen point victory. Uh, I thought it was a super effort. And again, I'm gonna mess. I'm gonna mention him again because he's just he's killing it. Brett Morris with a hat trick this week. Um, and he, so he he had two tries, and the Dragons were were still in the game. There was I think there was eight points in it at this stage. They were in the game. They were on the, um, the attack, and uh, the Dragons put a crossfield kick up. Who's there to save the try? Brett Morris. And then within the next two minutes, down the other end, who finishes a try off a kick for the Roosters? I, I it's get, Brett Morris. Like, seriously. He's, a, he's, he's a just killing. Like, give, give a rap to the bloke who kicked oh, that ball, though. Who kicked that ball? Yeah, well, you know, the halves are going fantastic. Kyle Flanagan and, and Kiri, they're leading Thank the you. team around the park. And I didn't even realise. They've realize... got plenty of big boys up the front doing, a, you know, the, to, to lose uh, a hooker and... and um, and your lock, who is a pretty influential lock too. He he's uh, creates a lot of stuff in attack for the Roosters. 
to be able to adjust their attack. And for those bigger boys, Jared Warrior Hargraves, I'm, I'd have to double check. I didn't actually look into this, but I actually said to my old man watching it at about the 60th minute mark, I was like, has he gone off for a rest yet? Like, I, th- I think he played almost a full game, if, if not the full game. So... I'll I'll do just, that is I just didn't realize, I thought all the Roosters last hand was Morris. No. <laughs> I thought they were just like a bit, bunch of cousins and it was just a thing you had to be called Morris to uh, play for the Roosters. But to get, to I'm glad that. I'm glad some other blokes are finally getting a rap from the Roosters, mate, because they are a superstar team, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, then we look at Saturday. The first game was the Cowboys and the Knights. Now, I had the Knights tipped here to go on for a big win, really. Mm. But um, Jake Clifford, the halfback for... The Cowboys, again, similar to Cleary, just um, just led his boys around the park, created plenty of opportunities, and the Cowboys went out to a massive lead lead in the first half, and it was just all too much for the Knights to come back from. I don't, I won't take too much away from the Cowboys, but I think for the Knights, they might have just got a little bit complacent on this one. Things are going obviously really well for them at the moment. I think they might have just thought oh, this is just going to sort of happen, um, but. It didn't, and you know, well done to the Cowboys. They bounced back after a bit of a losing streak and hopefully quietened down the critics for a little bit. So, yeah. so it's, it's Jake Clifford who owes me $10 for losing that multiple. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is, mate. All righty. Hit him up for your 10 bucks. Uh, the second game of Saturday were the, was the Titans and the Broncos. Now, this was... Uh, <sighs> this was horrible, wasn't it? This was a hiding for the Broncos. I mean, things just keep going from bad to worse, honestly. And, you know, again... My tip of the Broncos being top two is, is just looking horrible. I, uh, you know, I'm starting to question whether they can make the eight now. You know, I said last week that I think that if they can get it right, they'll be fine. But just nothing seems to be going right. But I mean, take nothing away from the Titans. That you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the most clinical display, um, or best display of footy from the Titans. But well, at least geez, they, they were they gritty were and they're competitive and they've got forwards doing, uh, doing their job. And I uh, just want to give a shout out to uh, one of our one of my best mates and one of one of our mates here from the show, um, Ash Taylor, who had a fantastic game yesterday. Uh, he's, in my opinion, and obviously this is a biased opinion, he's uh, been improving over the last couple of weeks. Um, plenty of critics around around him over the last eighteen months, and yeah, he actually he scored a try himself. Uh, he had two, well, one try assist and another um, actually came off a kick. It wasn't the last touch, so it wasn't counted. But he scored 14 of the 30 points for the Titans. And he kicked for 249 metres. So he's going great guns. And just to put it in a little bit of perspective for you. So I've done some uh, some stats here. And he's now, he's scored one try. He's four six line dropouts. He's got five try assists and two line break assists. And I've compared that to, well, first I compared it to Nathan Cleary, who's scored two tries, same amount of forced dropouts, so six, and Cleary's got three try assists and three line break assists for the year. So, you know, I, I would say I gave Cleary, Cleary a huge rap, and I think he's doing great things for the Panthers. But when you put it into perspective, they're going very similar. Um and that just comes down to probably differences in teams. And Justin Holbrook, the coach for the Titan, probably just doesn't have the team or the class in his team at the moment. But I think those stats just go to show that uh, there's there's players out there that are putting in, and they're just going to keep getting better. And yeah, you know, I don't think they'll be, they're not going to be a top eight team this year. But if they can pick up some good forwards that, um, 
and the young guys there keep improving, they'll they're obviously just going to keep getting better, which mm. would be fantastic for the Gold Coast. I just want to circle back to one thing there because I reckon uh, this is a, a good talking point. Is you said the try assists only count if it's the last person touches the ball before the try. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting stat because I'd imagine that those halfbacks to say Ash would be involved in a lot more yeah. of the play, but he just wouldn't get rewarded with it. Well, I mean, he, so he put the bomb up, someone's caught it or mm. tapped it back, and then someone else picked up and scored. So the, I guess the tap back was counted as the try assist. So yeah. I mean, realistically, it come from the kick. So. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Because there's something in AFL called a score involvement, which is similar to a yeah. you know, try assist, but it's you're, you're rewarded with that stat if you're involved in the play. So if you... Are you know Nick Natanui and you, you tap it out from you know the ruck contest yeah and and then Luke Shuey picks it up kicks it to Josh Kennedy those three are all rewarded with a score involvement yeah yeah um, so that's that's how that would work um, but that's interesting no yeah, definitely um, and then the last one was the Eels who won in a Golden Point thriller after they lost their halfback at half time so a lot of things happening around the halfbacks this week um, yeah but again. The Eels, they were up by 12 with only about eight minutes to go, and the Raiders put two really quick tries on, um, which, for me, the biggest thing out of this potentially was that that's two weeks in a row now where the Eels have hit the lead, and then they've conceded tries very, very quickly. So, you know, I think as we've spoke about on the show before, we both rate the Eels and think they're top contenders for the you know the finals, but that's an area that I would be alarmed if I was the coach where... You know, they seem to hit the front late in the game and then just sort of switch off just a little bit. Um, so, yeah, that's just my take on them. And one of the most interesting things out of that game was actually from the young Raiders um, player, Corey Horsburgh. Now, if you didn't watch this one, essentially what happened earlier in the game, he got absolutely monstered by two of the Eels' um, big boys. And he got up, fired up, which is fantastic. He got up and he kept playing, you know, get on with the game, that sort of stuff. And then a little bit later in the half, he was in a three-man tackle. And it looks like he believed that someone came in and um, chopped out, like had a go at his ankle. On replay, what happened was his ankle just got caught up under a player that wasn't even watching. Um, anyway, so he's hurt his ankle, but he's laying on the ground then, giving a mouthful to the bloke who's on top of him, grabs his jersey... Pulls him down onto him and tries to fight him on the ground. They get up, have a bit of a, you know, bit of a push and shove. Everyone comes in. And then all of a sudden, he is just like that angry uh, and potentially just in pain as well. He's sort of, he's pretty well in tears and he starts calling blokes out like from across the, um, at the opposition, just pointing at him, just giving him a gobful, telling him like, let's go. And as he's walking off the field, you know, the, the few spectators that are, in the crowd at the moment, obviously giving him a bit of a lip. And he just sticks both middle fingers up, gives them the bird, and just gives the spectators a spray as well. And I just thought it was, yeah, something that caught my eye and I thought it was a little bit funny. But I was actually watching it with my girlfriend and she goes, oh, that's a bit, well, I can't remember how she worded it. A bit, um, basically just saying you got a bit too fired up and a bit too emotional. I just sort of went, you know, if when you're in the, in the moment in a game, and you think something's happened to you, you sort of, you get fired up, and, and you don't you don't piss off a big red, do you? I've had worse things said <laughs> to me on the golf course just, just last Friday afternoon, so, um, you know, I don't think he's done too much wrong there, but probably yeah. should have, yeah, probably shouldn't do that. 
if you're a professional player coming off the field on national television. But yeah, yeah. yeah. What about this stat that uh, I think I hope I'm correct in saying this because I just caught yep. the game that um, one, when the scores are all drawn in that that game, mm-hmm. that from the whole history from the Eels and Raiders, there's actually wasn't a point separating them. Is that true? Um, I actually didn't hear that one. Yeah. I heard there was a stat where no one on the field had kicked a field goal in the NRL before. Yeah, okay. Um, well, from what I heard was, uh, so, that all in their, their history, they had both, um, they had both scored 1,093 points. Yeah. Um, and so, after the, the one-point win, Eels go up by one point in their entire history. So, well, there you go. that's pretty amazing to see how close uh, it has been. Um, but I'll have to check my source. That was just... I, th- yeah. I thought I heard that from the commentators, so... Yeah, that's very interesting. interesting. Mm. Harvey, mate, what about in the AFL? What's been happening? And who uh, who's looking good? Oh, well, one of my one of my uh, early tips is looking very, very good. Uh, yep. But we'll get to them in a second, I suppose. Let's go through the games so far. Um, the Bulldogs um, over the Sydney Swans Thursday night. They looked like they were back to 2016 when they won their grand final. Um, they're just competitive. They were fired up. They'll have to be some fines get handed out again for some of the push and shove in that game. Um, and you know, unfortunately, that you know they felt need a bit of money. They'll probably rack up the fines a bit more. So we'll see what happens there. But looking good. I mean, the Swans definitely challenged them. I don't think the Swans lied down at any point and and let the dogs walk over the top of them. But um, just way too good the dogs were. So. Uh, that was great to see. Um, the Giants just nudged out the, the pies. It was a, a bit of a scrappy game. Um, you know, there was probably a few disappointing players from Collingwood who just missed opportunities. I mean, Mason Cox, as good as he is, he's come over from um, America. I believe he was a basketball player previously. He just he kept getting to the footy but just couldn't take anything cleanly. And if he had just converted half of the chances they would have probably won quite easily in the end. But the Giants, to their credit, hung in there and they really stuck it out, which was good to see. Um, now, we'll talk about Port a little bit more later. Um, so this is a bit of a sour point because they did uh, mop the floor with the Eagles again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, at this stage, the Eagles just look down and out. Um, they're, uncom- they're, they're uncompetitive for the whole game. Uh, sorry, not the whole game. They've, you know, they've looked okay in certain patches, um, but just can't string four quarters together. There was, I think it was the third quarter that looked like they were starting to come back at Port, um, and they did. They got back to about a, a ten point deficit. Um, and, you know, you likes of Josh Kennedy and Elliot Yo really stepped up, but then Port obviously noticed that and they just absolutely put the hammer down again. Um, Charlie kicks in, Dixon kicks six goals and he was just an absolute weapon. So. We'll talk about them a bit more later, but Port looking very good for my top four tip. Yep, and I keep tipping them, so... Yeah, well, yeah. I Oh, I unfortunately lost the tip there because I'm not going to tip against my own uh, team, but, uh, yeah, no, you'd be brave to tip against Port at the moment. Um, Saints were too strong for the Tigers. This was a surprise. Um, mm, again? Dust, Dusty was back. No, well, was he? Yeah. I thought yeah. there was no Dusty, so no, there you go. No, so you, um, can't, uh, you can't blame that. He was back, and... Um, the Saints were just too strong. They've got a really good um, sort of young team that they're building up there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, maybe, again, it could have been sort of a bit of complacency. The Tigers did lose last week. Who did they lose to last week? It was a bit of a shock. Um, oh. oh, was it Hawthorne? 
Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or sort. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know they're they're a pretty solid side. So um, I wasn't too shocked there. I thought that man, maybe just two weeks of complacency. I I don't see this as a a big alarm bells for the Tigers. Um, but we're interested to see who they got next week and um, whether they can step up to the plate and actually uh, maybe get, gather... A, oh, they've got Eagles next week, so they'll probably flog them. So that's probably not a good example. But uh, <laughs> anyway, we'll see what happens there. Um, Carlton, your boys. Yeah. Oh, I say your boys, but I'm just teasing him because you said they're going to be premiers this year. Not my boys, but I said they'll be improvers and they'll make it... You know, they're a yeah. smoky for the eight. And they're, at this point in time, mate, they're sitting 11th. Tied on the same points as all the way up to fourth. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's you say smoky, but there's no fire on this <laughs> fire, mate. They've won. They've won against the Cats by one point, and they've won against the Bombers by one point. Um, Bombers, I would give a bit of leeway to for this weekend after what they've been through. Bloody miss a week of footy. Yeah, that all that then, week of rest. <laughs> what about the stress that they get put oh. through? They've had. They've basically. Said you know, Come off dirtiest it. team in the in the competition for someone getting coronavirus. He's then come out and tested negative in the next test, um. So he never even had the bloody thing, um. <laughs> so you imagine what their week or fortnight has been like, and the testing they would have went through, and all these other procedures that they would have in place. It's no wonder that they they didn't come out and really fire up. I think I lost my my stat of Tip and Woody. Him kicking mm. a goal and the Bombers winning, I, I think that's a real thing. Like, he's he, if he kicks a goal, the Bombers win. I'm pretty sure that's true. But uh, it just wasn't to be on uh, last night. So, anyway, I, I'm not going to put Carlton in my top eight anytime soon, but uh, we'll see what happens. Well, um, and the last game... Silly, but anyway. Whatever. Um, the Suns, on a roll, uh, they hold off Frio. Frio were much better. They're much improved. Um, than what they have been. They're still winless, unfortunately, so they're right at the bottom of the, the ladder at the moment. Um, but they, they were competitive the whole way through, but Suns just, again, when they wanted to, put their foot down, they did, uh, and they just closed the game out. How about that Rowell young He's fella? just killing it, isn't he? He Honestly. is a superstar already. But he kicked one or two goals again last night. Yeah, yeah. 20 odd touches. touches. Look, I mean, he just went on anyone. Any, anyone who was there, he shaped up to Fife a couple times. He tagged Mundy for a little bit. He was on Walters for a bit. These guys are, you know, two legends, uh, you know, of Frio. And Michael Walters is amazing. Yeah. And Rowell made him look like that. It was under 18s again. And Rowell was probably only 18 years old himself. So he's, uh, he's amazing. And they've got just, they seem to have this um, core group of players who are only so young. Um, who are just doing wonders from at the moment. So I can't wait to see. I I haven't got him in my top eight, unfortunately. I wish I had have made that wild prediction. But yeah, um, look, I haven't got him in my top eight because I just I'm not confident that they'll be able to string a whole year of it together. But I'm very excited to see what happens in two or three years' time. Much like what we're seeing with the Lions at the moment. Yeah, we yeah. must mention right now because that's the game coming uh, that's on right now. They've just gone into three quarter time. I'm starting to come back. They can't uh, kick a goal. They've kicked something like 15 behind. Yeah, I know, but it's, uh, we're looking at an 18-point deficit. So you... My 25-plus all of a sudden. You're in trouble. I'm looking good again. So I'm anyway. looking good again. Um, later on tonight, we've got uh, the Demons versus the Cats. So we yep. both tipped the Cats, haven't we? Yep. Yeah, I think uh, Cats will be too strong there after 
coming off that uh, very minute loss last week from Carlton. And then Hawks versus North Melbourne. I think that'll be a very competitive game. I yeah. think you've got two teams there who, again, I haven't got them in my top eight from yeah. my prediction at the start of the year, but they're two teams who could be there. They can, and, you know, they're two teams that can beat yeah. top teams, aren't they? Definitely, so, definitely. You know, they'll come up against, you know, your Collingwoods, your Richmonds, and, and that sort of thing. And, and be competitive. And, and really be competitive. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I think uh, we've, we've both gone the Hawks, so I think the Hawks will win. But um, could be a very good game, so... But look, the main point of topic I wanted to talk about today was, uh, first of all, Port Adelaide. Just before you do, Go I, just, I have a question for you. Can't wait. Just, get, just going back onto the Suns, I just want to want to pick your brain a little bit here. Their, their last three weeks, right, they've, they've now beaten Frio, who, let's, let's be honest, they're not going too well. Like, as we said, they're not, they haven't picked up the point yet. No, they haven't no. won a game. Eagles. The Crows. And Crows. And the Eagles, who... I understand You that. know, at... You know, looking at the ladder, that's currently 15th, 17th, and 18th. Now, not taking anything away from the Suns, I think they're going really well, but do you think they can that they're playing well enough to be competing with the top side in to potentially crack that eight? Or is this just a, you know, a thing where this is a team that's probably going to sit you know, 9 or 10 somewhere around there and probably beat the bottom teams and you know, be thereabouts? With the top yeah, teams. Well, that's, that's exactly what I think. I think they'll be thereabouts from what I've seen so far. They're definitely playing well enough to be competitive if they come up against someone like uh, Richmond you know, in the next couple of weeks. Um, I can't remember who they got next week, but um, I think... Next it, week's a little bit of a test. So, so they've got the, the Cats, who... Yeah, again, yeah. You don't rate a whole lot, but they've Look, got some quality there. I think that'll be a, a, a real test for both teams. Um, whoever gets up in that game will sort of probably stamp their authority on being one of the challenges for the top eight. But um, no, I don't think Suns are going to be there at the end. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I'm really excited to see what's going to happen in the next two to three years with that list if they hold it together, um, just with some of the key forwards they're building, um, their midfield, and then you know they've got some solid backs as well. Yeah. Um, to to really yeah, I think they'll be competitive in a lot of games this year, but. You know, if they come up against a Port Adelaide again, well, the way they're playing, yeah, they're not going to um, they're not going to probably beat them. I wouldn't imagine. But that's who we're here to talk about, Port Adelaide, anyway. And that's it, mate. Look, I, I I've seen the list from Port Adelaide for the last few years, and it probably has, to a lot of people's surprise, been one of those lists who you think should be more competitive. Um, you've got some good key forwards up in the likes of. Dixon, who's been there for a few years now. Tom Rockliffe, who went there from the Lions, who's a, a ball magnet. Um, you've got the likes of Gray, Ollie Wines, um, Young Amon, Sam Powell Pepper. Um, they've got a really solid list, but they just haven't been able to find those wins when it's really mattered. Um, and then the you know small amount of finals I've played over the last four, four or five years, they just have been uncompetitive and they've been knocked out pretty quick. So... But the way they're playing right now, like especially up forward with how they've got their um, offense structured, um, one thing I really noticed um, yesterday when I was watching the game was how they set up around Dixon. Yeah. And he's just their main target, which is obviously key because he's over two metres tall. He's the, the big man. Yeah, yeah. Um, if he's, if he's going to you know, be the 
key forward who wins the Colm. Sorry, if there's a key forward who wins the Colm medal, it's probably going to be him, I'd say, kicking six goals the other night. But I've still got Charlie Cameron. Charlie, well, he's got... Kick- he's got two, maybe three already. We've, we haven't watched that third quarter very well, but... Um, I think he missed a yeah. Jimmy before. But yeah, but Charlie... Charlie and Charlie, as two could be first and second. But um, Charlie Dixon, the way the setup around him is basically for him to be that target. But what happens is all the other forwards do their job so well. So watching someone like a Sam Powell Pepper, he actually made, he, he sacrificed him taking a mark to nudge out Barras, who was, who was on Dixon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like taking nothing away from Barras because he really got bombarded with a lot of inside 50s from uh, the port midfields. So he, I think he did a really good job, young Brass from West Coast Eagles. But the other forwards from port made it their mission to take Brass out of it. So Charlie could either take a mark, or if he didn't, there was still a port player there to swoop in, grab the ball, and kick a goal anyway. So um, I think a lot of other teams should actually probably try to employ that strategy as well. Yeah. Um, you see probably one or you know key forward or two key forwards from each team being just that focal point but um the team not really employing a strategy to um like what's what would the word be really um capitalize if that forward doesn't take a mark yeah um in general what would happen if you especially like someone like the eagles jeremy mcgovern um someone who's really good at intercepting um he'll take the mark over the key forward and then it, it just goes straight back down um through the corridor again and that's where the turnover and uh, comes from, and they can potentially kick a goal really easy as well. So yeah, but I think Port are the real deal, um, and they're going to go a long way. And I've said top four, but geez, at the moment if they keep this up, they'll be right up there at the end. They're going well. The last thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, oh sorry, second last thing, I want to mention give a shout out to Stewie Jew as well from the Gold Coast Suns. Uh, I reckon he is looking fit as he was back when he was playing. So I just want to say to everyone that if you haven't seen him over the last few years, he's probably eaten one too many meat pies while he's been watching the boys on the weekend. Mm-hmm. But now it looks like he's switched to... Training s- with the boys. Training with the boys <laughs> and probably following a nice little paleo diet. He's looking very good. Um if you didn't know this, Zach, he actually played for Port Adelaide and uh, also come back in, I think it was 2007 or maybe 2008 um, and played in a premiership team with the Hawks as well. Um, so he's an ex-player himself. Um, and I think there was a little dig at the start of the year from Jordan Lewis, who is a, an ex-Hawks player, had a bit of a dig at Stewie Jew for coming back one year quite overweight after some trip and I think that's obviously sparked something in Stewie due to uh, get on the fitness train and um, yeah start to lose some weight and, and if it's any any consolation maybe him being a bit fitter has actually sparked on his boys as well to so do a bit better yeah definitely um, which is which is pretty cool to see um, Lions have just kicked another goal so what are we looking at 30 points so I just need him to slow down a little bit because I've only got uh Another six points to work with. Look at that disposal from Charlie Cameron. That was amazing. Um, the last thing I want to talk about, this is a, a request from a listener. So shout out to Cassie Thomas, who's uh, asked for me to do a little educational series yep. on AFL. And I think it's, it's absolutely perfect because I 
feel like I cop a little bit of flack on the page as well for being an AFL supporter myself and you know only because your team's going so shit mate yeah but look come on it's not about my team person it's about the <laughs> it's about the game so Cassie's requested that uh, for the listeners who aren't so familiar with the terms of AFL mm-hmm. um, if I could explain some of the terminology yep. that we actually talk about and this might be something you could do for NRL because who knows what's going on with that sport mm. like they change the rule every second minute. Mm. So, and I'm pretty sure the referees just make up things on the spot. So I think it'd be perfect to uh, actually do that as well. So today I'm going to go very simple. I'm just going to talk about marks. Yep. Okay, so what... Who's Mark? Mark is a <laughs> ex-West Coast... <laughs> you bloody idiot. So a mark in AFL yep. is where a player kicks the ball... More than 15 metres, and his teammate or an opposition teammate cleanly catch the football. If it's touched by an opposing player before he takes that football, uh, it would be deemed a touch ball and play on. If it doesn't travel 15 metres, same thing, it's play on. And if it hits the ground before he takes a clean possession of it, uh, it's also play on. So So to clarify... It's got to be a kick off the foot, untouched to either your teammate or an opposing team if it's a if it's a bad kick. Yep. It's got to travel more than 15 metres and it's got to go through the air. So that is what, a mark. What happens when you take a mark? So when you take a mark, uh, you then essentially have to dispose of it. Um, the referee will give you a few seconds to dispose of it. You can handball it, you can kick it long to another teammate. Yep. You essentially do whatever you want. No one else can tackle you. They can't touch when you. When you've taken a mark, no, you're a free player for a few seconds. Yeah. You step back off the mark and you decide what you want to do with it. Yeah. The only time you get extra time is if you're within scoring range. Okay. So if you're if you say take a mark inside fifty and you tell the referee you're gonna you're gonna have a shot at goal, he'll give you up to thirty seconds then, or he will give you thirty seconds. So yeah. you've got extra time to set and and have your your kick at goal. So um, that's a mark. If you've got any other questions about AFL, feel free to message me. I'd, I'd love talking about it. Yeah, send um, it through. Yeah, but Mark is defined, so I'll check in next week with the next educational series about AFL. Excellent. All right, you got anything else for us? Well, it's time for the halftime rubdown. And today, I want to start off by giving one of my good mates and my roommate a shout-out, Mr. Brenton Panels. Oh, the big BJ Panels. He has... Been ecstatic since about uh, Friday. Yeah, it was early Friday morning. Yeah, the um, Liverpool in the EPL have notched up their first title in thirty years. So a long wait. Panels never has never actually seen them win a title. So he's now seen that. And yeah, so congratulations to Panels and Liverpool. Pretty well. Because <laughs> he he's been he's been hassling me for a shout out and now he's got it and we'll talk about it. So I don't even know that back phone. So there you go. Yep. Well, they only started back uh two weeks. Ago, well, yeah, two weeks ago. And how do you mean a tie after two weeks? Well, they were already up. So that this is it. I've got to tell you, it's the biggest lead in the Premier League history. They're up by about twenty odd points. Um, with still. I don't know, about six, seven, eight games to go, something like that. So, Oh, so they've still got to play, but they've just... Yeah, they've already secured the title. Like, okay. they've, they've already won it um, with 
yeah, they're a mile sure. ahead. They're Fair they're enough. next level. So they can't lose. They can't lose. Yeah. They're they're done. They made um, COVID made him wait for it. They they were in this position before COVID, and then over the COVID period, they then thought that uh, potentially it wouldn't count. Yeah, <laughs> and that would have sucked because they were that far ahead. But um, no, they've officially secured it. No one can catch them from mm. here on in. So mm. well done, and there's your shout out, champ. I yeah. hope you listened 48 minutes through to get your shout out. I bet she's not. I'll find out if he, if he did or he didn't, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, just very quickly, um, just some more fake news. Uh, this was actually, this is a bit of a segment that we might look at, and it was suggested to us by one of our um, top listeners, Liam. And he suggested that we look at, with all the talk uh, that we've had over the last couple of weeks about journos and whatnot with just fake news, um, that we look at something that they've, They've spread during the week, and we give our take on it with the truth. And this week, Thursday night, with the two ACL injuries that unfortunately happened to the Roosters players, there was talk about the ground not being up to scratch for NRL and all this sort of stuff. And during the call on both Fox Sports and Nine, they the commentators were saying how the Roosters have filed a complaint. They, they want to know what's going on with the ground, all this sort of thing. And then in the post-match press conference with the coach, Trent Robinson said, we haven't filed any complaint. We weren't concerned about it, essentially. Like, it's just this... Again, it's just something that, um, that the media have just beat up. They've just they've beat, it, beat it too hard and carried on with it about the ground. And I think at the end of the day, I think those two ACL injuries, it just, it's just footy sometimes. Like, yeah, it's yeah. just unlucky. Because um, what I read, those injuries were non-contact. No, yeah, there was no contact with it. Um, you know, if you look at something like Victor Radley's, it was just he sprinted out of the line, got wrong-footed, tried to change direction, and that's what happens when you're going at speed and you try and change direction. Yeah. Sometimes um, ligaments don't hold up with that. Yeah. Same with um, Verrills. He come out of dummy half, sort of took a step, and the knee buckled. Mm. Can you blame the ground? I don't know. From all reports, the ground looks... The, the, the ground has been fine. We played a game on it again yesterday. So, you know, I think just unfortunately for those boys, they've suffered injuries and, and all the best of them too in their recoveries. You don't wish an injury on absolutely anybody. Um, so, yeah, good luck to those boys. And, yeah. you know, you don't want that to happen. But, again, why spread shit in the... In the do you know in, who, the, in the commentary. Do you know who uh, spread that news? Who are the oh, I don't know. I think there was... Gus Good was carrying on about it for... I don't know. I'll fight like, like so. Gus. That doesn't, that doesn't and, uh, turn me. And then I heard it was on Fox Sports too. So both, yeah, both televisors of talking shit again. So, so what, anyway, you, but we'll, we'll... You'd probably tell our listeners just to not watch Fox Sports. Would no, that be... Just, well, I mean, you're going to have to watch it if you want to watch the sport, but... No, but just don't jump watch... Jump on board. Just don't watch the after show. Sports. Just watch the Project Sports and actually hear the real, real stuff. Well, yeah. So anyways, that's our first uh, fake news segment, and that's what we've debunked there today. So, we've got a couple of minutes left, and it's time for A to Z Sports, and I'm very excited. We're up to F today, and I'm going to be completely honest, I have I got no idea what you're going to go with here. Really? Um, maybe, I was thinking maybe like Formula One or something like that. Interesting. Um, yeah. Um, so you're going to lock in that yes, Eddie? Yeah, I'll go Formula One, but... Well, tell, you're, tell you're wrong. Going. Wrong. I can't believe you didn't pick this. I thought for sure you would have been on the money here. Mm. Um, I've gone with the the uh, long, what would you say, long history of, of this sport, mm. uh, combat sport of fencing. 
Fencing. There you go. Another Olympic sport. You haven't oh, even picked up on that yet. No, no, he just mm. keeps going for the Olympics. Yeah. I reckon I'm going to, one day I'm going to slip in a non-Olympic sport and you're going to be... You're going to be I just thought you would have went something like, you know, Formula One, huge sport in the world, go worldwide, but anyway. Fencing, mate, there's a history back to the 1400s. If you didn't, if you didn't look up your fencing facts, could you name one fencer? I still can't name a fencer Fence. after I've looked up the facts. <laughs> oh, there so. you go, that's my point. Yeah. Anyway, but, but we want know, to know all about fencing, so tell us, mate. I, w- I will tell you a fencer. Zorro, okay? Zorro. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. But uh, fencing, look, it's been around uh, for quite a while. Um, started off more as a, a combat uh, art, obviously, um, and sort of was brought into you know, sporting history from in the 17th century. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's been around, um, and the training sort of has been around since the 1400s. But uh, I really just wanted to talk about the Olympic um, sort of history. Um, fencing is one of the longest uh, serving sports in the Summer Olympics, dating back to 1896, where it first featured in Athens um, at the Summer Olympics. And then women have been competing since 1924 in Paris. So um, pretty long history there. Um, who's, your, who's your top country, do you reckon? Origins from Europe. So European history... Um, a lot of Spanish history in uh, in um, is that in fencing? That's not a. I'm not tipping anything there. I'm just saying it's a lot of history. Ah, oh, fencing. I. I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. Name a country for me. I don't know. Oh, it's somewhere in Europe. Go for somewhere that. in Europe. Denmark. I don't know why it's just coming to me. Not Denmark. No. No. Look, it's it's been pretty hotly contested. Russia. Not Russia. No. Uh, Italy. Italy. Italy, 49 out of 211 potential gold medals. But um, France, pretty close behind, 42 gold medals. And Hungary, 37 gold medals. So three countries there. I can't quite remember who the fourth one was, but three countries there who've really um, hotly contested, um, you know, over 50%, probably 60% of the gold medals in history, which is pretty uh, interesting. Now, Australia, I've picked another sport that uh, maybe you and I should look into. We're no good at this either? We are no good at this, no. So, look, we've we competed, for, we've competed for a while, since 1952. Mm-hmm. Didn't miss one until 2000, 2012. So we competed all up to 2008 and haven't competed in London or didn't compete in Brazil. So I'm not sure if they were planning on sending someone to Tokyo but that might be a sneaky opportunity for an Olympic berth for you or I. There we go. Pretty handy on the uh, old foil or... Kitch. You're training. Yeah, I reckon. So either European handball or fencing could be two spots that we, we look at uh, competing in. Um, the only other info I really have is, you know, the equipment that they use. There's actually three different types of fencing. Um, there's the foil, there's the epee, and there's the sabre. So they're all different kind of weapon. Um, and they've also got singles and team events. Now, when I say team events, not like six blokes in a in a ring all stabbing each other. Sort of done like a relay style one. Yeah. Um, but I honestly didn't research it too much to get the actual rules of how the team really works. But from what I can gather, is it would be still an individual competition. If you bested someone, they go out, and the next team comes in. So. I imagine it's like a last man standing kind of thing. Yeah. And if you best them, you, you go out and the next bloke comes in. So or or lady comes in. So that's fencing. So another another sporting opportunity for you and I. 
Love that. Um, so that's F, mate. That's F. What's next week? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Oh, interesting. There's a few can't there. Wait. Can't wait. There's a few there. Does he go with golf? Does he go the obvious golf? I don't know. You don't know. You won't You'll have know. to tune in next week to find out. You'll have to tune in next week to find out. So we're going to wrap it up there. We're going to finish off the last six minutes of this uh, Lions-Crows game. I'm just hanging in there. 30 points at the moment. Look at this score, Zach. Nine goals, 21 to the Lions. 21 behind. They could be They could be up by 70 points at the moment if they could kick a bit straighter. Yeah. But anyway, look, we're going to wrap it up there. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, make sure you do. Facebook's probably the best way to do it. Make sure you give us a like. We'd really appreciate it as well if you could please share this podcast if you've enjoyed listening to us. So give us a review, first of all, and then uh, share it around with your family and friends so they can listen to us yammer as well about all the real news in AFL, NRL, and uh, obviously A to Z Sports, so they can learn some stuff. That's it. But anyway, guys, we'll see you next week. Um, Enjoy yourself, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. See you, guys.